Good evening, and apologies for being slightly late. Goodbye Forever by Nat Chung Rinpoche. Chapter 11, Part 1. Vic has a point, Steve, Ron advised. You know, it could be... Oh, I do apologise, wrong page. I didn't think that was right. I'm just going to read the final sentence of Chapter 10. I was lucky that Ron liked my voice and the way I tortured the vocal line. I was lucky in a lot of different ways and that fact never escaped me. Chapter 11 Ich bin ein Dichter <coughs> 1968 Emptiness happens that was how I saw situations. Having read and reread articles on emptiness in the Buddhist society magazine, it had become a fact of life. A kilkor can be created from coloured chalk dust. Unexpectedly, the wind blows and the pattern is no longer what it was. One can grieve the lost pattern or enjoy the mingling of colours and the strange shapes created by the staggered disintegration. One can try to create a social milieu by inviting the appropriate friends to the perfect place at the right time. Then one small aspect shifts and the situation randomises. Life appeared to be some sort of existential kaleidoscope in which the meaning could only be in the moment. If one tried to extend the meaning beyond the moment, the meaning could become increasingly meaningless. The Savage Cabbage Blues Band had two successful gigs and then we took a holiday. Ron and Steve had family obligations I couldn't visit Jack. Jack's house was out of bounds by order of his parents. I was a deranged working class subversive as far as they were concerned. I had hair that was far longer than they could endure. I dressed too unconventionally. I went to secondary school rather than a grammar school. The deepest horror was that I was planning on going to art school, the very pit of iniquity and depravity. The worst thing about me, according to Jack, was my vocabulary. It was significantly larger than theirs. His parents had said, he gives himself airs speaking in that pretentious literary manner. The working classes should obviously know their place I obviously didn't understand that there was a place I should be other than where I was. Although they accepted that Jack had to associate with me in the context of the Savage Cabbage Blues Band, they wouldn't have me in their house or even telephone in their house. Jack couldn't telephone me because we had no telephone and so Jack may as well have been living in Lithuania. I would miss the music 
but there'd be more time for silent sitting meditation and reading whatever I could lay my hands on vis-a-vis -vis Tibet and Vajrayana. There were not that many books available, so I kept rereading them. The books were mainly academic and viciously difficult to read, so the more times I read them, the better. I had a fine motorcycle, bought with several years of weekend work cleaning the floors at Farnham Hospital. There were untold miles of country road. The 500cc BSA pulsated like a sabre-toothed tiger with mean things on its mind. I got mean things, I got mean things on my mind. I sang as I roared sedately down Crondall Lane. It was curious that I could sing about having mean things on my mind without any sense of those words reflecting anything about me. I had no mean things on my mind, but singing the words had a meaning of its own. I was a Buddhist, but I sang hymns every morning at the school assembly and thoroughly enjoyed singing most of them. I was an atheist, but I could sing praises to God with great gusto. I simply loved singing. In that sense, blues and hymns were like plays, and I was an actor in those plays. Opera singers could play villains. Anything just for the sheer enjoyment of the sounds and the abstract poetry of meanings sans meanness. There was something about being seated on a motorcycle that fitted both Buddhism and blues, especially a chopped easy rider motorcycle. I had to concentrate in a relaxed manner, alert yet not anxiously alert. Being aware of the manoeuvres of other motorists, which were not always precise, was a form of open-ended vigilance. It was delightful that anything could be meditation if one was open to that dimension of experience. Riding out, anywhere at all, was almost unsurpassable when lady friends and savage cabbage were absent. It took me to places where I could sit and stare at the sky. I'd read about staring at the sky as a meditation practice, but it was a mere reference and no details were given. So I simply sat with my eyes open, looking out into the sky and letting go of thoughts when they arose. It was unusual to sit with wide open eyes, but I found that I was far less prone to thought than when sitting with eyes partially open. My brother, Graham, for some unaccountable reason, was in Germany, staying with the family of a young cousin. She'd spent some time with us the year previously to improve her English. My father seemed to think that the favour should be returned, 
And so Graham was packed off to Germany. I could never quite figure why, as Graham's grasp of the German language was slim, even in comparison with mine. He'd been gone for some days and had another three weeks sojourn there when my mother said, Victor, I have just received this sad letter from your brother Graham. What does he say? I nodded, splaying my fingers out in a slight flourish that said, let's hear about it. My mother laughed a quiet laugh. Your father never was able to stop you gesticulating. He blames it on me, she chuckled. He says the English do not gesticulate. Well, I grinned, I'm only half English. And as I masticate, postulate, recapitulate, prognosticate and enunciate, I may as well gesticulate for good measure. So anyhow, what does Graham have to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says he is not happy with Wilhelmina Rubenhacker and family. And they write and they say they find him phlegmatish. How is that word in English? Phlegmatic, I laughed. Graham's not phlegmatic. He's English. I stated in mock upper-class accent with a touch of exasperation at people who make myopic subjective value judgments. I think there's a subtle difference. Graham's composed, calm and unflappable. And that could be seen as phlegmatic to someone who's excitable, febrile or emotionally incontinent. I've never met Wilhelmina. Is she anything like that? Yeah, that is what I have been thinking. She laughs all the time when there is nothing to laugh about. So he wants to come home, but your father will not hear of it. He says that Graham must not be a child. He must learn to grow up and be an adult. Well, yes, but I've never seen Graham as immature. He's really pretty level and independent. I mean, he works up at the Black Prince making hors d'oeuvre and earns a tidy sum at it, too. You know, Mum, it's quite a thing to be trapped in a place where you're not enjoying yourself, especially if you can't really speak the language. I wish my German was better and I wish you'd been able to bring us up to be bilingual, but I think I'd have found it easier than Graham to spend three weeks on my own in Germany. Yes, I know this is true, my mother stated quite emphatically. This is just what I am thinking. And this is why I am wondering about something I want to ask of you. I raised my eyebrows in token of asking what she was wondering. Ask away. I'd be happy to oblige if it's at all possible. I am wondering, Victor whether you would like to go to Germany to keep Graham company. I am also thinking that you might like to go and stay with Uncle Arnold and Tante Richen and maybe go to visit Tante Ruth and Uncle Otto. You know their daughters, 
Marlon is more your age and Antka is more Graham's age. So maybe it might be nicer for both of you than with Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina's husband, yeah, Horst, is sometimes a funny man. I think the war, yeah, the war has affected him, you know, like Mr. Love. He sometimes does not always have his right mind. Not so much as Mr. Love, but like this in some way. He has moods and becomes angry easily. My mother continued after a pause. I know Mr. Love was always kind, but Hurst is always a little too practical and that makes him severe and hard. Certainly, we can't have Graham sitting out a prison sentence. I nodded to my general approval of the idea. I'll just have to get an international driving license, but that shouldn't take more than a few days. There was nothing I wouldn't do to please my mother. She'd been so kind to me all my life that I took it as given, that I'd comply. Besides which, I felt sorry for Graham living in a house where people evidently hung from the rafters and grazed on the lawn. Oh, Polly, love, oh, Polly, the route has now begun. We must go a-marching to the beating of the drum. Dress yourself in all your best and come along with me. I'll take you to the foldy rolls in high Germany. So, Victor, I have a little money I have saved. Don't worry about that, Mum. I can manage the petrol. But there is the ferry crossing to pay, so I will give what is necessary with petrol too. You must not pay for this. Well, if you insist, Mum, consider it agreed. I'll get my continental driving licence and insurance fixed tomorrow. It shouldn't take long and the GB stickers aren't hard to come by. No, not so soon, Victor. First I must speak with your father and I must write letters. I think that if you say that you want to go, your father will see no problem. Nothing you now do is a problem, because always you are so polite with him. My mother looked a little sad for a moment and added, But, Victor, what of your savage couch? Will it not make difficulties for Stephen and Ronald? Not at all, Mum. They're gone for three weeks anyway. And actually, I'm at something of a loose end. I've got books to read and guitar to practice, but that can happen in Germany as well as here. And it'll be good to see Graham. He's turning into a rare young devil. Teufel. My mother shook her head and clucked at the word devil, but smiled broadly at me nonetheless. My mother had a tendency to literalism with words and couldn't see how anything to do with the devil could be good. Likewise fierce, cool, heavy, or a host of other slang usages. I felt really glad to be able to do something for her. I also felt that heading out on the highway was what I ought to be doing on my chopped BSA.
all seemed to work out with my father. He appeared highly appreciative of the fact that I was obliging my mother to such an extent. He knew quite clearly that I had my own life to live. He witnessed my schedule on a day-to-day -day basis. And so he was aware that I was always busy, always having appointments to keep. Times had changed and it seemed that I was always doing the right thing in my father's eyes. Emptiness happens. The embattled father and son scenario of 16 years had evaporated. <laughs>